So, uh, we've decided to chat to Charlotte this evening because um, I know Charlotte very, very well. Uh, I've known her for a long time. used to be on the staff team here. Um, and Charlotte is, I was about to say Charlotte loves human trafficking, which anti, is not what I mean. Anti-trafficking. We're going to anti-trafficking, please. Um, I, I mean, Charlotte's really passionate about issues of justice. Um, chat to any student. Who will they go to if they want to talk about justice? It's this person, and it's in Chikoke's. Um, and it's... Yeah, I think it's really admirable, the passion that you have, so I'd love um, for you to share some of that with us. Um, where did your journey or your passion for justice come from? Um, I think my journey of justice started way back when I was really little. Um, my dad, particularly, was really heavily involved in uh, various charities and organisations fighting issues of justice. Um, and particularly was involved in an organisation called the Toy Box Charity, which was just sort of starting in the early 90s, um, and worked with street kids uh, in Guatemala. And, and Dad would disappear off to Guatemala and, and come back and, and show photos and share stories of, of the children on the streets. And, and I remember being totally, totally put out by the fact that there were children the same age as me who didn't have a home and, and didn't have a bed to sleep in. And, and that was just not okay. Um, and so, so I wanted to do something about it as a five-year-old. And so people would come to visit, right, the house. And I had a little collection jar with 20 peas. It only fit 20 peas in them. And I'd stand by the door and I wouldn't let them out until they paid 20p um, for the toy box charity. Or I'd, I'd walk around the garden and give my mum a tour of the garden and point out the different colour flowers and make her pay for it. Um, in order to raise money. Um, and, and I'm really thankful, actually, to my dad, um, particularly for his heart for justice. And I, I think I've inherited that from him big time. Um, so I think my journey started a really long time ago. Uh, and then just sort of as a, a teenager and, and growing up, sort of, to, sort of started to work that out for myself and work out what that looked like and the things that I wanted to pursue. Um, and for a long time, uh, and still to a certain extent, that's education. I'm really passionate about education globally. Um, and maybe sort of five years ago, I went to a justice conference in London um, and uh, heard someone speak from IJM, International Justice Mission. Uh, and I heard them speaking about slavery, modern day slavery, and the fact that there were um, sort of 40 million people in modern-day slavery. That was five years ago. Now they reckon it's more than 50 million. That's in, in five years, it's increased. Um, I, and I was totally shocked by the fact that there are today more people in modern-day slavery than in the 400 years of the transatlantic slave trade. Um, like, that's not okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I found myself um, passionate then uh, about this issue of human trafficking and, and modern-day slavery and sort of started to look at what, what I could do uh, to, yeah, try and combat that as, as one little person in a, in a very big world. Awesome. And what do you do now? I mean, do you, uh, are you still giving tours of your garden? Can we come round? Um, what is it that you do as, as you know, a, ve a very busy person, you know, primary school teacher, you're involved a lot here, what, how do you fit that in? What do you do to um, try and make a difference? 
Um, I, I don't give tours of the garden anymore. I have moved on from that. Um, <laughs> I, I think the first thing I should say is that I don't have this sorted. I, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not perfect at this whatsoever. Um, I, I'm not an expert. I don't, I don't know loads. I, I just really care about it. Um, and because I really care about it, I want to do something about it. Um, what do I do? Uh, I think the first thing I did actually coming away from that justice conference, however many years ago it was, is I, I got on my knees and I prayed. I do that a lot. Actually, I, I get on my knees and I, I weep. I cried driving here this evening as I was praying um, over the night, just, over this evening. I just, I, I found myself crying and, and just, yeah, I spent a lot of time talking to God about it. Um, and, uh, and I read, I, I realized I didn't really know very much about human trafficking and, and modern day slavery. So I read loads. Um, uh, I read a book called, uh, actually this was a really long time ago, when I came back from, I lived in Uganda um, about 10 years ago, um, and that actually has, my dealings with Uganda has really shaped my journey of justice as well. Um, a really good friend of mine, Rachel Matesi, um, one of our friends in, in Kampala, has massively influenced the way that I look at justice um, in the world. But um, I read a book called Half the Sky, How to Change the World, and it's all about women uh, who, who um, yeah, had amazing stories of, of changing the world. So I read, uh, I followed people on Instagram, I followed in organizations and, and surrounded myself um, by stuff that was feeding this uh, hunger to, to know more. Um, so I read loads, I gave money, actually, I, I started donating to um, IJM um, because I was like, well, I can't physically go and do something about human trafficking and slavery, but I know an organization that can, so therefore I'll, I'll help to, to uh, fund that. Um, I, I very accidentally got involved with a, an organization called Blue Bear, um, and I, it was accidental because the first time I came across them was just, um, I was looking for podcasts, I listen, I listen loads to podcasts. And I just searched for justice podcasts. And the first thing that came up was this Justice in Coffee podcast um, by a guy called Bryn Fresh-Smith, who um, has started this coffee company. Da, 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 da. It's my, this is my Christmas coffee. I haven't started it yet. Um, <laughs> but um, I, so I listened to this podcast by, by this guy, Bryn, and he interviews loads of people. I really highly recommend it interviews loads of people who are dealing um, every day with issues of justice. Um, the first person he interviews actually is Julia Immonen, who came and spoke here, I mean, maybe like eight years ago. It was a really long time ago. Um, she rode the Atlantic for freedom. I haven't quite done that yet. But um, So I, I listened and I, I sort of accidentally got involved with Blue Bear um, by swapping to, to buying coffee. I don't drink loads of coffee, but I know people who do. So I started buying coffee for people from Blue Bear Coffee. Um, and it's, it's coffee that is ethically sourced. We, pr we pay a higher than fair trade rate um, to, to the farmers. Uh, and also uh, all the profits that are made go back into uh, organizations that are fighting human trafficking and, and modern day slavery. Um, and I got to know Brian a bit and uh, he very 
graciously and generously asked me to become a trustee of a charity that he was setting up called Blue Bear Freedom, um, which works to support um, survivors of sex trafficking um, and uh, exploitation, and particularly working at the moment in the Dominican Republic. So I'm a trustee of that, um, uh, and that sort of takes up some of my time. But just, I think, one of the main things that I do is I just think about where I buy stuff from. Um, so the, the two really easy swaps I did that anyone could do were Blue Bear Coffee um, and, for those that don't like coffee, Tony's Chocolonely. Like, really easy swaps. I just stopped buying Cadbury's and I bought Tony's instead. Um, and yeah, it cost me a bit more money, but the thing about, the thing about all of this, um, I'm sorry, because you gave me a time limit and I've probably already gone over it, but um, the thing about all of this is that there's a cost somewhere to someone. So if it doesn't cost me money, if it's cheap for me, somewhere someone's had to pay for it. Uh, and actually, that's not, that's not okay. It's not okay that someone w would have to pay by being in slavery or being exploited because I want a bar of chocolate. Like, that's not okay. Um, so I, I've made the choice to pay the extra. I pay more for my chocolate or my coffee or um, my clothes um, because I think that is not right that someone else should have to pay for that. Um, and I shout about it. I think that's another thing I do. I, I, just, I just talk about it a lot. Um, and I shout about stuff on social media and I shout about stuff uh, to anyone who will listen, even if they don't listen. Um, because I think it's really important. Um, and I fundraise and I sort of, last, last year we did a freedom ride. We cycled 50 miles um, to raise money for, for Blue Bear. Um, at the moment, some of us, um, some students and, and I and Simon are, um, are swimming for freedom. So we're swimming, not the actual English Channel, just in case people, I think people think that we're actually swimming the English Channel, not swimming the actual English Channel. Um, but we're swimming the, the distance between um, Dover and Calais. Um, between us, 34 kilometers to, to raise money. So you can sponsor us to do that if you like, little plug. We're so close to our target, I'd love, I'd love for us to get there. And um, we've got, um, how many more, Simon? Like four and a half K, right? Four and a half K to go. Um, so you can sponsor us to get there. So we've, we, you know, we fundraise and we shout and we do all sorts of things, sorry. Don't worry. Um, my last question was going to be, what can we do? But I think you've answered that in that we can educate ourselves, we can, um, swap what we're buying so that the cost is on us rather than other people. We can talk to people um, and ultimately we can pray. Um, can I pray for you, Charlotte? Is that all right? And for yeah. all the work you do and yeah. the passion you have. We, I think the thing I'd, I'd finish with is that we have to be the change. The church has to be the change. We have to sing a better song. We have to tell a better story. Um, I can't fix the world. We can't fix the world, but um, we, we can do something to change it. Um, and that has to start with us. We, we have to be on our knees. We have to be lamenting. We have to sit in the mess and the pain that is in our world. Um, and we have to allow ourselves to be disrupted and disturbed and challenged by it. Um, because if we're not disturbed and challenged, we don't go into action. Um, and we have to, like, we have to tell a better story than the story that the world is telling us. Um, yeah, we have to do something. 
Amazing. Let me just pray. Father God, thank you for Charlotte and all the work that she does with Blue Bear. Thank you for the passion you've given her. And I pray that um, that fire that is in her would, would light a fire in us. And would you push us to be disrupted and disturbed so that we change, Father. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Charlotte. Um, do grab her at the end. Do ask her questions. Um, I'm going to read from scripture now, so do turn in your Bibles, it's page 746, Um, it's Isaiah 58, um, verse 1 at the beginning of verse 9. Shout it aloud, do not hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarrelling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here am I. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'd love to welcome James to come and speak to us. Yeah, come. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's great. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for the opportunity to come here as well. Um, Let me just say a little bit about myself, where I'm from, and maybe the accent that you're picking up as well. Um, So I'm from Edinburgh originally, uh, which is the greatest city apart from Winchester. I mean, I do say that everywhere I go. Um, I moved down to London in 2014. Uh, After working in Scottish politics for a while, uh, I moved to start working for CARE, which is the organization I'm here representing. Um, And I've been there really ever since. I I had a couple of years out uh, where I did some training for church leadership, but then actually God brought me back into the world of politics. And uh, human trafficking is one of a number of causes that CARE is actively working on at the moment, and so it's my privilege to come here uh, for this particular evening where you're gonna be talking and thinking together about human trafficking. It is a massive topic. I've got about 15 minutes. Uh, I wanna do really four things with you this evening, four key messages I'm I'm trying to land to help us as we grapple with this this huge issue. I, I want you to be struck by the scale 
of the problem. We've heard some of that already. I want you to be struck by the fact that it's happening here in your local community as well. I want to give you a sense of, of how God's heart for the most vulnerable should shape us as we think about this. And then I want to get practical as well at the end, because ultimately, if we are going to be part of bringing that change, then we need some concrete things that we can do, that we can take into a Monday morning and a Tuesday morning, things that we can all do to help make a difference. Because yes, one of us by ourselves might not feel like we can do much, but of course, if all of us work together on this, if you work as a church on this, then you can genuinely make a positive difference for people who are made in God's image. So that's what I want to do, 15 minutes there, and then time for questions as well. So if you do have any questions as we're rattling through some of this, then there will be space towards the end for you to ask those questions. I've got some slides as well. I think up uh, there's the first one, and then on to the second one. Just allow me a little plug uh, for CARE. If you've never heard of CARE, which is uh, understandable, let me just very briefly say, CARE stands for Christian Action Research and Education. It's our 40th anniversary this year. Uh, we became active in the issue of human trafficking in 2004, 2005, and have been working there ever since. There's three things that we do, it's on the screen. We work directly with politicians. So what's different with CARE and some organizations when it comes to human trafficking is there are great organizations working on the front line with people who are being rescued and exploited and taken out of human trafficking. But we also need to make sure that there is change happening in the corridors of power as well. We need to make sure that the laws of our nation actually support victims of human trafficking. In 2015, the United Kingdom and every part of the United Kingdom for the first time in 200 years passed dedicated anti-human trafficking legislation. The Modern Slavery Act for England and Wales, the Human Trafficking and Exploitation Act in Scotland, and the Human Trafficking and Exploitation Criminal Justice and Support for Victim Bill in Northern Ireland. You don't win any prizes for snappiness in legislation, but that Northern Ireland bill, by the way, is the most comprehensive piece of trafficking legislation in any part of the UK. And I genuinely am in awe of some of my colleagues who worked night and day for three years and ended up writing that bill in its entirety and then working with politicians in the Northern Ireland Assembly when it was operational to see genuine change in that part of the UK. So change has happened, but more is still needed. The other things we do at CARE, we engage the church and we grow future leaders as well. Uh, one of the trustees, I think he's moved on now, one of the, the former chief executives, sorry, of a human trafficking charity, a guy called um, Christian Guy, is a graduate from CARE's leadership program, someone that we invested in, and others working in this sector too. So they're the three things that we do. Okay, human trafficking. Let's start with a definition. What is it? Well, human trafficking involves the recruitment or movement of people for exploitation by the use of threat, force, fraud, or the abuse of vulnerability. It's about taking people, using control, using coercion, using exploitation. It's about treating people, human beings, as mere commodities, as objects that we can exploit. That's what human traffickers do. It's happening across the world. It's traveling across 
international borders, and it is incredibly difficult to stop. It requires governments at the highest level to work together in order to make a difference. That's one of the big challenges we face on this issue. Now, there are different types of human trafficking, which the next slide will show. I've just got three here. These are the three main ones. There's debt bondage, and that is where there's a power imbalance because you owe money, and that is the means of you being exploited. There's labor exploitation. So think about some of the people on the tea plantations in Sri Lanka, for example. They are being exploited for labor purposes. Think about people working in factories as well. Think about, sadly, in our country, people working in nail salons and also car washes as well. There can be victims of human trafficking in those places exploited. They don't get any money. Whatever money they get is taken by the trafficking gangs who control them. And then finally, the most common form of human trafficking today is sexual exploitation. This is just awful. This is where people are taken and their bodies are used by traffickers for their personal profit with no thought whatsoever given to the damage that is being done, particularly, sadly, to women and children. Around the world, there are, as has already been mentioned, thought to be more than 50 million people in some form of human trafficking. That, by the way, is more than the entire population of Spain. It's not far off the entire population of the United Kingdom. And even here in this country, the government's official estimate is that there are between 10,000 to 13,000 victims of human trafficking in the United Kingdom. There was some research that came out in early 2020 that suggested it's probably near 100,000. And in fact, more recently, some extra research came out to suggest it could be getting onto 150,000. And right now in Westminster, and this is really important, the Home Affairs Select Committee is doing an inquiry into the precise scale of human trafficking in this country. So we can expect that that number will get even higher as well. That's how bad it is. All around us, in communities in Hampshire, in Winchester, there is human trafficking. In 2022, I noticed that the number of people referred to the Hampshire police as suspected victims of human trafficking has increased. Nearly 200 cases were referred to the Hampshire police until June 2022. So it is happening here as well. Now, it's really easy to look at those numbers and to be struck by the scale and the size of them and, and somehow, I think, particularly maybe a danger for me and CARE and our team, and to miss the fact that behind those numbers are human beings, real lives that are being damaged. A quarter of the 50 million victims of human trafficking around the world are children. I want to tell you Jenny's story. Jenny said this after she was rescued. It's not a real name. My feelings of utter desolation grew. I tried to escape, but had nowhere to go. No money. Every exit was blocked. Even if I stepped just a few yards on my own, I was followed. When I ran away to domestic abuse refuges, I couldn't stay long because I didn't fit their remit of a domestic abuse victim. They classed me as a sex worker.
Sex worker, by the way, is not a term we will ever use at CARE. It implies that that is a legitimate work. I don't think it is. The vast majority of people in commercial sexual exploitation or prostitution are not there because they've made a positive choice. They're there because they are forced to be there. So we will talk at CARE about people who are in prostitution to give them dignity. One of the reasons the legislation in Northern Ireland is so good is because unlike the rest of the United Kingdom, it does something quite unique. It has criminalized the purchase of sex. It's the only part of the UK where it is illegal to buy someone else for sexual gratification. And we've tried to lobby for that change in the rest of the UK, unsuccessful so far, though very close in Scotland, that will probably happen there. It's harder work at the moment in England and Wales, but it's so important because the laws that we pass send messages. So when you make it illegal to buy sex, you are sending a message that that person has value and dignity and that they should not be exploited for sexual purposes. Now, Jenny was rescued and is beginning the journey of rebuilding her life. And she goes on to say this, after her rescue, I'm learning how to live normally. One of the biggest challenges has been believing that I deserve a happy future. 18 months on from my escape, it's slowly getting easier. 18 months on, it's only beginning to get easier. I now wake up feeling free, and I appreciate that more than anyone can imagine. Jenny became a victim of a trafficking gang. They exploited her sexually. It all began with someone she actually knew, which is sometimes the case. I read recently of a case in Brighton where three children, unaccompanied migrant children, were kidnapped by human trafficking gangs in Brighton. Um, in the end, the police got them back. It's a kind of amazing story. The police realized what had happened because it was reported to them. Someone spotted that the kids got into this car and thought it was strange, so they took the trouble to tell the police, which was exactly the right thing to do. The police managed to get a trace on the car, and so were following it, but there was so far behind, there was little chance they'd actually catch them, and then the one thing that in this case meant those children were rescued was the great British traffic jam. So the car got stuck in traffic and the police boxed them in, and those three children were rescued, but that's not always the case. Uh, there's a MP called Peter Kyle who's been raising this issue in the House of Commons. Down in Brighton, there are people put up in hotels. They've, they've come over here seeking help. They're put up in hotels, and trafficking gangs are going to those hotels in the full knowledge that these people are vulnerable. And they're just waiting outside in cars and inviting the children in especially. And many of them have been taken and are now lost into a world of pain and misery which is why we need to go further when it comes to law. So we'll talk in a moment about things that you can do locally, but I do think part of our calling as Christians is that we have to engage with those in the corridors of power, your MPs and your councillors as well. What is needed is long-term guaranteed support for victims. We need to make sure that every confirmed victim of human trafficking in this country is guaranteed a right to remain and guaranteed support for at least 12 months. Because only then will they have the confidence to know that we will not abandon them just because they've been rescued and we're moving on to try and find others. 
The other thing that's happening at the moment in this country is it's really difficult to get a prosecution against human traffickers. Think about what you're asking a victim to do. You're, you're asking someone who's been rescued to stand up in a court of law, which is an intimidating environment at the best of times, even more so if you can't speak English as your first language, and we're asking them to tell on their traffickers, the very people who exploited them. Now, if we're not giving them the guarantee that we will not abandon them, why should they do that? But if we give them long-term support, we have evidence to show they are more likely to be willing to testify in court, which makes it easier to get convictions. Victims need at least 12 months' support. Okay, I'll say a bit more about that in a moment. Let me just briefly touch on what the Bible says, and much of this you will know, but I hope that just reminding ourselves of this will, will help motivate us to action. The starting point has to be Genesis 1, 26 to 27. In the drama of creation, something utterly extraordinary happens on that sixth day, as it were, when God, as the second creative act on the sixth day, says, and there's a pause in the narrative, verse 26 of Genesis 1, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Many years after that was written in Psalm 8, David, that great psalmist, picks up on the language of Genesis 1 and says this about human beings. You have made them a little lower than God himself and crowned them with glory and honor, and so on. Point is that Christianity's better story that we heard about begins here begins with the staggering truth, the life-changing truth, that every single human being is made in the image of God himself, that there is something God-like about human beings in distinction from everything else God has made. And one of the things that we should draw from that is the idea that human beings then are made to live free. They're made to live out their God-given potential, to find their giftings, to find their callings, to use the talents that God has given them to make the world a better place. And of course, for human beings who are trafficked, their dignity has, as it were, been robbed from them. Their freedom has been stolen from them. And that is not God's good design for any human being, which is why we as the church, surely as light and salt in our world, are called to action. In Proverbs 31, we are told to speak up for those who have no voice. Well, victims of human trafficking have no voice. We have to speak for them on their behalf. Another text for us was what was read, Isaiah 58. And here we, we hear God's heart for what true justice looks like. Verse 6 again. Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Something that the prophets were always calling out in the people of God in the Old Testament was injustice and exploitation. Um, and when Jesus came and he preached in Nazareth, his hometown, and he took the scroll of Isaiah and he preached about the fact that he had come to bring freedom. So it is part of God's better story through Jesus that people should live free from coercion. And we can play a part in that. So let me bring this into land 
then on what you can do. Because rightly, you might ask, well, what difference can I make? And in addition to what we've helpfully heard already, let me add these. Firstly, it's really important that you pray. That's often where it starts. Pray as a church, but pray individually too. Ask God to burden you on behalf of victims of human trafficking. Ask him to show you what more you can do. The second thing is know the signs of human trafficking. This is something that we can all do. You can simply go onto the, any website of a trafficking charity and they will tell you very, very quickly what those signs are. Uh, the signs of human trafficking and the damage that is done are things like if someone looks malnourished, if someone's clothes look shabby, if they look afraid, if when you approach them, they recoil. These are some of the basic signs. I'll tell you a story. I had a friend, she lived in Tunbridge Wells. She was a rich friend. And um, she had uh, a walk that took her past a nail salon every day to the station on her way into work. And she noticed that these people were something just not quite right. There was a sense of fear about them. They would immediately look away whenever she looked in. And it troubled her because she was involved with CARE's work on human trafficking. And so in the end, she called the Modern Slavery Hotline and she reported what she found. And then it was followed up and investigated and it turned out that the people who were working there were victims of human trafficking and they were rescued. That was just one person keeping their eyes open, engaging, knowing the signs and taking action. So know the signs, be informed, pray. Fundraise as well, this is a huge one. Um, I would really encourage you in your fundraising to give to, to charities that are working on the front line but also, if you can, to consider giving to charities that are working to change the law as well. Because we need both. We need to make sure that both the action on the ground and law change is happening together. And the final thing. Coming down the track at us uh, at Westminster, uh, there's an immigration bill coming. Now, there's a lot I could say here, but I'll limit myself to just this. Some of the rhetoric about immigration at the moment is really unhelpful because it is, is bringing immigration and human trafficking and blending them together. They're two separate things and they must be kept separate. Um, the immigration bill will offer an opportunity to put amendments down to help victims of human trafficking for the long term. So there may be an opportunity, I think Stephen is the MP in this constituency, for Stephen to get involved. Wouldn't it be great if you wrote to him? every one of you wrote to Stephen and said, let's give victims long-term support. Uh, the government is also giving us a modern slavery bill as well. We don't know when, but this is something that they are proposing. If that comes before the election, then that is another opportunity to write to your MP and to ask them to take the relevant action to make the law better so that it works for those who are most vulnerable. God brings change in this world and he uses people like us to bring that change so on behalf of the 100,000 victims of modern slavery and human trafficking in the United Kingdom can I plead with you do what you can and it all starts with those small steps changing your chocolate changing your coffee making sure that everything you own as a church comes from an ethically sound place where the supply lines are sure and certain that's how it starts, and then from there, build on it. Engage with your parliamentarians, and let's send a message that we, this generation, will speak up for those who don't have a voice. Thank you very much.
I know you don't want to sort out some of the mixture between immigration and trafficking, but is there not a case for saying that all of those who've come by boat across the channel should be treated as victims, not criminals? Uh, yes, absolutely right. I mean, you know, you come here, you're afraid, you're fleeing a really bad situation often, but you know, as a Christian, my starting point is every, every person that comes over here is someone made in God's image. And that should, that should dramatically change how I, how I think about them, how I relate to them, and they should be treated as a victim because actually they're the most vulnerable of all and they are the furthest from justice. And so if we don't welcome them, particularly as the church, then, then who will? I think a lot of the rhetoric at the moment is highly politicized and unhelpfully so, and this is a chance for the church to speak into that. So I completely agree. Amazing. See. Hi. Um, you mentioned that you know, there are lots of other charities um, who are also working in helping to stop trafficking. Um, I'm kind of familiar, for example, with Stop the Traffic's work where they're doing a lot on the data and analytics side and using machine learning to try and identify the patterns and working from a prevention perspective. Um, how do you link up with the other charities in this area? Because I can see there are lots of overlaps and way in which you can kind of benefit from the work that each other are doing. Yeah, great. I'm really sorry. I was looking over here and you were over there. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Um, yeah, it's a great point. Um, so something that CARE, for example, has done in the past is form uh, coalition groups. Um, so Free for Goods uh, was a coalition group that was launched four or five years ago, 2017, I think it was. And that was pulling together uh, some of the big players in the, in the human trafficking sector, as it were, uh, to work together for exactly the, the purpose and the reasons that you set out. And I, and I think you know, our work is amplified when we do that. Uh, so, for example, in the Christian world, you've got International Justice Mission, who've been mentioned, but you've also got the Salvation Army, who are doing some phenomenal work, actually rehousing uh, rescued victims and working on the front line. And then you've got CARE working at Westminster with particularly Christian politicians, but, but sometimes others as well, if they're with us, and they often are on this issue, trying to make sure that the, the two come together. So by building those coalitions, we can then amplify our voice at Westminster and secure longer lasting change. And one of the things that happened with the Free for Goods uh, coalition was that the groups that often work on the front line, uh, to them, Westminster and politics and all of that is a dim and distant world. And then for us working in Westminster, the work on the front line can, can seem very unfamiliar. So when you build the coalition, which we've done in the past successfully, then actually it can lead to longer lasting change. So um, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it's classic, isn't it? Who'd have thought that if you work together rather than work apart, you can actually achieve more? <laughs> yeah, amazing. Any more questions? Oh, loads of questions, okay. Go to Simon and then to Sarah. Um, I'm just wondering where we can go to do our revision. This has been really interesting tonight, but I don't want to forget about it when I get home. So where can I go to do my revision, to stay informed, uh, and find like ideally shareable resources as well, please? Yeah, great. Um, I mean, I suppose it, I'm, I'm sort of paid to say this, so I'll say it really quick and then give you some better websites, but um, <laughs> you can go to the CARE website care.org.uk, uh, we've got a human trafficking cause section. We, we separate out commercial sexual exploitation as a separate cause, um, although the two are, are actually very connected. Our work there has been a bit distinct, but I would encourage you to look at 
look at both those cause pages. That will give you primers. Uh, there's some fantastic uh, videos that the Cluer Initiative, I think I've said that right, um, have released, which really help you understand and see the scale of the problem and the reality of it. Uh, so that's another site I'd go to. International Justice Mission are great. We do a lot of work with them behind the scenes. Um, also, anti-slavery uh, as well, anti-slavery UK, I think it is. I mean, to be honest, if you just go to Google and type human trafficking in, you'll get all of the big charities. Uh, they all pay enough on Google advertising to be high up your search. So, uh, so start there and set a reminder on your phone as well. That way you'll, you'll book it in. Thank you. Um, obviously, Charlotte mentioned the coffee, chocolate, you mentioned tea farming. Are there any other areas of our lives where we purchase goods and services that we might be surprised to know that trafficking feeds into where we can make changes that maybe we're not aware of? Yeah, I mean, clothing would be a massive one. I'd start there. Um, do some research into some of the high street chains that you might buy your clothes from. Um, under the Modern Slavery Act legislation, it became a legal requirement after 2015 for companies that are turning over more than 36 million, which is more often than not your big high street retailers, they have to produce what's called Modern Slavery Statements, where they talk about what they are doing to make sure that their supply chains are actually ethical and kosher. Now, it, the system doesn't work perfectly. And one of the things we hope to do in the Modern Slavery Bill when it comes is make some improvements there to tighten things up. But start with your clothing, that's a big one. Um, I think as well, um, one of the things that the Church of England have done, which was just brilliant a couple of years ago, was release an app, um, which was the Safe Car Washes app. Um, and that's another area where, you know, I, I don't know if you've got a car, you might not, but certainly if your parents have a car, grandparents have a car, even friends have a car, at some point they go to a car wash and get their car washed. Or even get it validated as well at big supermarkets. And, Sadly, that is often a, a place where human trafficking is taking place. And so if you go there and you're concerned about that, uh, the, the Safe Car Washes app allows you to then um, check that out, report it, get it logged for it to be potentially investigated. So that's another really obvious example where, again, we might not think car wash, yeah, sure. We just kind of go through it quick and then we're on with our lives. But actually, that could be a place where exploitation is happening. Um, I don't know if you go to, to nail salons or nail bars, but that is another massive one as well. So again, it's, it's about just being aware of what some of the signs are when you go to these places. So then if you are concerned, there's things like the Modern Slavery Hotline that you can call. It's an 0800 number. You can call it. You can log what you've seen, what you're concerned about. Little things like that, you know, you're, it's funny really, we're almost in our heads, we're like, I don't want to do that, I might be telling on someone. I mean, I want to tell on the traffickers, do you know what I mean? Like, I really want to grasp them up. They're terrible people. We probably have time just for one more quick question. Right, right at the back, Rachel. Gosh, we could have had them in one line, but then last. <laughs> I'm just... It's always the way, isn't it? One side, other don't side, worry. one side, other side. Um, so my question is about where you were saying... Um, the 12 month support. Yeah. Um, so, just a little plug that in a couple of weeks we've got a ladies' event, we're going to do a clothes swap, which I know is really great in terms of not buying fast fashion. Um, is there, firstly, what is the support that mm. is given over those 12 months? And is there somewhere, say, that we could take the spare clothes? Is there a particular charity that would take clothes for these women? Or, yeah. Brilliant. That's my question. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so on the first part of that, um, so at the moment in England and Wales, um, there's no guarantee of getting that 12 months. Uh, in fact, the Modern Slavery Act was quite unusual in that unlike the Scottish legislation and unlike the Northern Irish legislation, it made no reference to guaranteed support for any length of time. 
through, partly through our advocacy and through the advocacy of others, we've managed to move the government down here. So they now, in guidance, do talk about, in certain circumstances, giving 12 month support. And the kind of things that that should involve are housing support, uh, legal support is massive. Because very often what happens is they're rescued from human trafficking one slavery, they need, they need leave to remain here, and they also need legal support to just know how to navigate the incredibly insane and complicated asylum system. And having someone who can translate some of the legalese and legal language to make things easier for them is so important. Uh, often they need financial assistance as well, that's included in long-term support. Um, so it's things like housing, legal aid, um, financial aid, uh, and simply getting them also hooked up with some local on-the-ground charities that can provide uh, clothing, for example. So on that front, um, one of the things I'd suggest you do is have a look on your local council's website. I'm pretty sure that Hampshire Council are part of a, a modern slavery strategy that they've got with maybe a number of other councils. And part of that should be some recommendations for refuges that you would be able to send those clothes to. Um, again, I mean, I'm sorry, this is going to sound really patronizing. I don't mean it to. It's worth just Googling it as well. Um, I've done that before in southwest London where I am, and that threw up a couple of places that were uh, working through churches that I was able to go and take some clothes to recently. So just things like that. Have a look at the council and then um, have a Google as well. Um, and that should hopefully get you what you need. I should say Northern Ireland, uh, just before the assembly went down again, we managed to get them to agree guarantee of 12 month support in Northern Ireland. So Northern Ireland, yet again, leading the way. It's fantastic. Amazing. Can we um, have a round of applause, please, for James? Um, I kind of like the band up.